Bueller. Bueller. Nobody puts a baby in a corner. Oh, gnarly! Hey, where's the thief? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s. The best that we remember it. Thanks, Charlie. You we, bet. Got a, we got a new kid on the block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, All the way from Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're going to do this week, we're going to do a podcast on 80s cover tunes. So these are songs in the 1980s that came from prior to like we're these are not the original songs so these are going to be cover tunes and then uh, next week we're going to do something a little different but we i've got people from all over the country here we're on zoom so that makes it kind of magical so there's no mm-hmm. snowball and no mat you know, for their comedy relief or what whatever it is they do <laughs> they're not here this week we do miss them not really okay <laughs> We're going to go around the circle here. You're going to introduce yourselves. Tell us all where you're from. We're going to start with the new guy, Charlie. Yeah. Who are you? Where are you from? How'd you find out about us? So my name is Charlie Boink, and um, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, north, kind of North Phoenix, uh, originally from the Midwest. Um, I found out about you just searching podcasts on 80, 80s podcasts, and your ears came up. And uh, yeah, kind of ha- has been have been hooked ever since. So. And then obviously saw the Facebook page too. So I, yeah, I enjoy all the topics. I enjoy the conversations on Facebook and um, yeah, just super glad to be here. So yeah, Charlie's probably been with us about a year or so, I'm guessing. Just guessing. Yeah, I think I so. Have no, idea. Mm-hmm. But no, that's about a, right. Yeah. He's been a good contributor as far as the music topics and stuff. So, which is my favorite. So thank yeah, you. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you. Hey Rob, I am Tammy Dever. I'm in Austin, Texas. I write '80s music quiz books and um, kind of live in in a retro room of my house most of the day while I'm designing books for other people. And I am Debbie Connor. I am coming to you from the Austin, Texas area, and I'm just happy to be here again. It's always a lot of fun. So, have you two ever connected in person? No, we have we not don't. yet. We definitely will. Hey, I'm Kevin uh, from Columbus. I've grown up with Rob and Art. The other person is going to be introducing himself for a minute. I'm sorry about uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Not I've about known, Art, I'm sure. It's, it's about yeah. that. I've known Rob since uh, I was seven. So it's uh, been, you know, like the last 20 years of my life. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with cool. that. He's self-identifying as 27. You guys That's right. right? <laughs> yeah, my name's Art. <clears throat> Live in Asheville, just south of Columbus. I've uh, known Rob pretty much most of my life, and uh, I'm married to Kevin's sister. So yeah. before we get started, we're going to do a little thing that we like to call 80s Rewind. What we're going to do here is we're going to go around the circle here, and we are going to... Something hap- happened in the last week that has to do with the 80s for you, I'm sure, whether it's been a song a movie, a TV show you watched, maybe you saw a kid with a cool shirt or some sweet shoes or something. So we'll start with Debbie because she's always very prepared. <laughs> You're too funny. 
<laughs> the last several days, I have been rewatching a 1988 movie called Running on Empty. I don't know if any mm-hmm. of you remember that one. It was River Phoenix, Judge Her- Judd Hirsch, Christine Leahy, and Martha mm-hmm. Plimpton. Uh, River Phoenix is a kid whose parents are on the run from the FBI and he wants to be normal and is not allowed to be normal because they're constantly moving. So it's a fun one. I don't think I've ever seen it. Have you guys? Really? I I haven't either. I I remember the title, but I don't remember River Phoenix being in it or anything about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. Where did you find it? I think I recorded it off of AMC a few weeks ago and was finally getting around to watching it. Yeah, so it's been making its rounds on... on, uh, satellite tv i guess well i had kind of something funny happened in that um we got a text from a guy that we go to church with who teaches at a small christian school and he wanted to know if i had any rock and roll t-shirts that he and his daughter could borrow for a theme day at school this week um which i found incredibly funny because there's no question about that so I actually took a video of the plethora of shirts I had to offer so they could choose which ones they wanted to borrow. <laughs> Journey, Def Leppard, multiple Queen shirts, Ario Speedwagon, Huey Lewis and the Nude, Chicago Sticks, David Bowie, Billy Joel. I mean, ah, yes, I have something you can borrow. So you are going to post that video on the Living in the 80s page, correct? I should do that, shouldn't I? Yeah. Do it. He needs to go on, I think he needs to go on the So 80s page and and uh, and every other affiliated. No, just keep it with us. We'll feel like we have exclusive rights or something. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Which ones did they pick? They chose Def Leppard and Journey. Nice. Well, good choices. Very nice. I didn't choices, get to ask sure. them if they actually know songs by those bands. <laughs> <laughs> Probably or, don't stop believing that everybody knows it. So. That's right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll know that one and, and nothing else. I don't know. They they might know um, separate ways because of uh, oh, yeah. things. They might know that. That's true. So. Yep. All right, Charlie, you're up. Yeah, I was, I was having a conversation with a buddy about our high school basketball shoes. Do you remember, I'm I maybe a little younger than some of you, but I graduated in 91, but played basketball from about 87 to 91. And I mentioned the Nike Revolution basketball shoe came out. It was a huge deal. And it was the first basketball shoe that was over a hundred bucks. And it was like this huge deal that if you had, if you had this basketball shoe, you were like it. And so we laughed back and forth about how that was the big deal back then. And it was the first Nike basketball shoe that had a little clear bubble back by the heel if you remember oh, yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah and it was like the biggest deal so we had to laugh about it and then we talked about air jordans and all that kind of thing so it was, it was fun reminiscing so the question is did it make you jump higher well no i mean uh no i did not because i could not <laughs> jump that well um uh, but i do remember blowing out that little bubble thing eventually wow. and that was like oh wow. wow so but it wasn't because i was jumping high I had a pair of shoes probably in the early 90s that had that bubble thing in there. I don't think I ever burst it. I did, and it did burst. <laughs> they still do. Our son's 18, and he's gone through a couple pairs like that. Remember he had the Reebok pump-up ones, too? That kind of made me think of that. Mm-hmm. I was a Nike guy. Me too. Yeah, same. Still am. <laughs> still am. Yeah. All right, Art. Well, I'm sure Tamara will be happy. I, I've been muddling my way and very humbled uh, how much i do not know about the 80s and the music 
and and I I will I will defend Art here because he is like you know me and him and Kevin and our friend Dave like we have listened to music and and like studied pop music not studied but it's just here and the fact that I was a little challenged and he was kudos to you mm-hmm. wow I'm so honored you're playing my book I'm sorry said I'm so honored you're playing my book yes yes I uh had it for a couple of weeks, well, probably almost a month now. And like I said, it's very hard. <laughs> Good. <laughs> definitely challenging, that's for sure. A lot of blanks. I, get, I need to get it. I need to get it. <clears throat> um, so I got a, a text out of the blue from Snowball on Sunday and making fun of me. I, I guess he and his wife were making fun of me um, because I'd give him a hard time about his ankle bracelet or whatever that he was wearing with his. And I said, I my wife was kind enough to explain to me what what were they peg jeans or whatever he called them tight roll jeans or something like that yeah he responds later in the day and said uh well you probably had tough skins when you were a kid and (laughs) i started thinking you know what he's right i did have tough skins and that was something i had forgotten about but i remember those really hard denim like i would never wear anything like that now um (laughs) with like the reinforced knee because you know they're always getting you know ripped out from you know Mm -hmm. being a, a rough kid those things were so rough. They would chafe you. And it's just like, wow, <laughs> come a long way. The, the, the quality has gotten much better over the years. So. My 80s rewind moment happened last week. And I thought Kevin was going to say this, but he didn't. So I will. Kevin asked me a couple weeks ago if I felt like joining them on music trivia night. It was 80s night at this local bar. And so I met him and his wife, Diana, and some friends of theirs that I hadn't met. And what was the name of our team, Kevin? Pants Off Tuesday? What it was? <laughs> I think I can't remember. Something I think it, like that. we didn't come up with the name. It was somebody else came up with it. Okay. But but we were the only people that had perfect scores. Wow. So impressive. That the host, who is a local DJ, gave us high praise. And awesome. he is going to be joining us on the podcast here in the near future. So we're hitting him up. That was uh, that was very cool. I had a great time with those guys. Uh, there a couple were challenging, but not too much for us to handle. Like, <laughs> so it was fun stuff. I would like to have like this team here on that kind of a trivia night. We'd crush anybody. Oh, that, that would be, be fun. Fun. Especially with Tamar on board. We'd be, <laughs> yeah. we'd be set. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to go all into these 80s cover tunes. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. As promised, we're going to be talking about songs in the 80s that we've heard that we may or may not know were actually cover tunes. What I did is I gave everybody two songs, and they're going to take those two songs and explain a little bit about them, you know, why they chose that one, so on and so forth. So, Tammy, you are up. Well, I chose I Feel For You by Shaka Khan. Super awesome 1984 hit. It was number three on the Billboard Hot 100 for three weeks. It um, won Grammys for the best R&B song, for the best female R&B vocal performance. That includes, like, the rapping in the beginning was done by Mally Mel from Grandmaster oh, Flash and the Furious Five. That's such a cool part. 
Um, and then Stevie Wonder is the guy who played the harmonica in it, which yeah. I did not know. And that, and I found out, so I was doing a little research, found out that repetition of Chaka Khan's name at the beginning. Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. It was actually a mistake made by the producer. His hand slipped on the repeat machine and they're like, Jeez. oh, I kind of like this. Let's keep it. Yeah, no way. I had no idea. Awesome. Cool. And Shaka Khan did not like it and she didn't feel comfortable with her name uh -huh. being repeated all the time, but she needed a hit pretty badly and just kind of went along with it and it became her biggest hit. I'm not sure if you guys know this. It's probably common knowledge, but the original was from 1979 and it was done by Prince. He wrote it, producing it, and everything. His version is much more stripped down. And I listened to it, I'm like, this almost sounds like a funky yacht rock song. <laughs> it kind of does. I listen, I'm like, seriously? I mean, it was the late 70s, right? It was kind of, it's more chill than Chaka Khan's super funky version. Sure. Uh, so, what I also found online that in 2019 the prince's state released an acoustic demo version of this and it's really cool i think it sounds closer to shaka khan's version than his version off the album so that's definitely worth worth listening to it's pretty cool well, why don't why don't we hear a little bit of that we should Right. All right. So one last side note, because it made me giggle. In 1993, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake sang this song on the Mickey Mouse Club. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're not playing that. No. <laughs> wow. That song reminds me of the fall of 1984. That's mm -hmm. when I heard it. That's when it was a hit. Last week, I posted it on the song of the day on the 80s page. And I just that just brings me way back, and it that harmonica that Stevie Wonder doing that harmonica is just mm -hmm. it's just priceless. I absolutely, yeah, it's love so that. good. I watched again go online and see the video, but Prince and Chaka Khan performed it together along with Stevie live for the BET Awards in 2006. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I have to check that out. Didn't the music video have the guys from Breaking? I think. Um... Music video had Shabadoo and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name, but I remember the video. Debbie, how about your cover tune? Oh, my first cover tune is Venus by Bananarama. as you will recall, was a huge hit in the 80s. Um, it was Bananarama's first collaboration with Stock Aitken Waterman. And it was originally produced to sound more like the original version. However, it was reworked after Siobhan, one of the singers with Bananarama, requested that it would sound more like Dead or Alive's You Spin Me Right Round. Oh, wow. Uh -huh. hmm. So that's why wow. it changed so much from the original version. 
And it was a big hit here in the U.S. And it made it to number one in six different countries. And, um, you know, it, it was one that I remember around high school graduation, I think 1987, I remember dancing to it at the dance after graduation. So it's one that I do have fond memories of. Yeah. And the original was recorded in 1969 by a band called Shocking Blue. She's got it. It really has a late 1960s, almost early 1970s vibe. And one of the funny facts that I found out about it is that there was a typo in the lyrics when Shocking Blue was recording the song. And Mariska Veras was the lead singer for Shocking Blue. And the word was typed godness, G-O-D-D-N-E-S-S, instead of goddess. And so when she sings it, she sings godness on a mountaintop. And I had already listened to the Shocking Blue version through one time, and I didn't catch it until I read this fact and I went through and listened to it. And even in the video, she sings Godness instead of Goddess. So now you will Boy. never be able to get that out of your head again when you hear the original. Nope. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah, and it did reach, uh, the old version reached number one in February of 1970. So it reached number one for both bands, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. I always thought the girls in Bananarama were gorgeous. Oh, yeah. They were? Yeah. I agree, and I was a female, so there you go. <laughs> so the funny thing is, our 18-year-old came home from school yesterday, and I had him sit down with me and listen to both versions of this song and to give me his opinion. Because, you know, I'm biased. I'm from the 1980s, so, of course, I'm going to say I like the Bananarama version best. And he listened to it, and he said, Mom... The 80s version is much better than the 60s version. Uh, we'll see on the next song whether he agrees or not. So you have to keep listening to hear that. <laughs> Art. So I have, the first song I picked is uh, off of 19, David Lee Ross, 1984 uh, EP, Crazy from the Heat. This was his first solo endeavor away from Van Halen, even though he was still with Van Halen, not officially broken up. What I picked was uh, Just a Gigolo. It has quite a history, man. It was second release. It reached number 12 on the Billboard charts in 1985. But what I found curious with this, uh, the song dates back from all the way back to the 30s. It was Bing Crosby's first number one hit. Just as you go, everywhere I go, people know the part I'm playing. Paid for every dance. Selling each romance every night, some heart betrayed. This big solo hit, and it is also it's originally adapted from an Australian hit, Shono Gigolo. It was written in 1928 and was first sung by American French star Irene Borden. It was restyled by trumpeteer Louis Prima in 1956. And just a gigolo, everywhere I go. Even though the part I'm playing. 
with an up-tempo arrangement combining just a gigolo with another song ain't got nobody which is the way we know it today i, I really didn't know there's that much history behind the song and it went back that far it was also used in uh, a 1932 betty boot cartoon everyone must know just a gigolo And it was also on a 1983 TV series. And I love the video, you know, Dave Lee Roth yeah. and Dave Lee Roth band. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it about that song. And, I, and like I said, I didn't realize there was so much history behind it. I remember when the song came out, well, mm-hmm. that and then California Girls. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to make of David Lee Roth as a solo artist because he's covering a Beach Boys song and then he's doing this 1930s ragtime song or whatever. And this is before Eat Him and Smile, so I'm just like, what's he doing? Yeah. And then he sounded more like Van Halen when he did his uh, yeah. other stuff. But yeah, that's that's a song I've always I've always kind of dug. Yeah, I love his videos. I think mean, he's very animated. I always, like I said, I've always been a Daily Raw fan. You know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Art Art I think was physically ill when Sammy Hagar came along, and uh, yeah, I like Sammy Hagar by himself. All right, Charlie. All right, so my first one was the uh, the classic one-hit wonder, Tainted Love by Soft Cell. It was recorded in 1980, uh, released in 81, and then some trivia about it. It jumped around on the charts for a long time. And I, and I read that it at one point held a record for the longest time on the charts at 43 weeks, which is crazy. It's almost a year. Yeah. And then it ended up, I think, peaking at um, number eight in 1982. And and then as far as I think Tamara referred to the one hit wonders, um, I think it hit number five on the VH1's top 100 one hit wonders. I picked it mainly because it, I think in 80, 81, 82, I was about you know eight or nine years old. And it was my first exposure to kind of synth, like new wave, the British second invasion kind of music. And always liked it, kind of the haunting synth part to it. Probably like Cars by Gary Newman, mm-hmm. this song for me, uh, Don't You Want Me by Human League, kind of that type of, of song. And so that's what made me think of it. Um, and I think it's been covered by a lot of a lot of groups the the one the original was obviously tainted love and it was a song composed by ed cobb and it was first performed by gloria jones in 1964. And it didn't really become real popular, to be honest. And I and I hadn't really listened to it much. I mean, it's a very it's an older song, of course. It's a much quicker tempo. Um, pretty good tune. It has kind of a Motown vibe to it. So um, that's what I got. I remember when the when I first heard it when the, it was being played back then, mm-hmm. uh, they would have tainted love and then where did our love go by the supremes they, they right you know, it was a mix together and then later on like the 80s radio stations like you know 10 15 years later start playing these 80s songs they wouldn't play the full thing they would just play tainted love like right. 
there's another half of the song that's awesome. Yep. You guys are blowing it. So yeah, I think Tainted Love was only like two and a half minutes. Yeah. And then so it was a pretty short song. And I think the B side on there was the was the other Supreme song. The uh where is the song called Where Did I Love Where Did Our Love Go? Is that the yeah. the Supreme song? version I had had them both together. Oh it did. Oh okay. wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever heard those both together. Oh. That's interesting. That's your homework. Yeah. I guess yeah. it is yeah. something to do later this evening. It's, it's yeah. not as embarrassing as admitting to not having seen The Outsiders. Oh, oh that's, my you. that's you. That's you. That you is me. That's you. That is me. So, Debbie, did, did you listen to the podcast last week? I did. So you, you live in infamy. It's, it's I always... do. I got a good laugh from it. I, I thought, uh oh, that's going to be on here, isn't it? So when it popped up, I was not surprised. <laughs> oh, you and Matt will never let me live that down. No, I'm like the like... little sister that you just pick and pick and pick on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think Matt's a little worse than I am, but as, as he is on Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin got some ribbon too. So, <laughs> Kevin, what is your uh, what's your cover tune, bud? Um, I went with Naked Eyes, always something there to remind me. And every step I take reminds me of just how used to be. Well, how can I forget you, girl? There is always something there to remind me. This song came out in 1983. Uh, it made it all the way to number eight. And... In most of my life, I thought that was an original song that they had made, but uh, actually it wasn't. They were fans of the song um, from their youth and wanted to cover it. Um, the original was actually uh, recorded by Dion Warwick in It was written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. And her version is different because there's a lot of horns and a peppier version than Naked Eyes. I've always, I, I liked that song when it first came out. I actually bought the, that cassette it was on probably shortly after I heard the song because I thought, well, this whole thing's got to be good. And it was. It was, a, it was a good album. If I remember yeah. Correctly. So this song actually got covered in 1964 by Lou Johnson. Oh, how can I... Forget you when there is always something there to remind me. I saw a clip online. Uh, he's he's on the uh, what was uh, Dick? Uh, yeah, what's his name? Dick uh, Clark. Yeah, Clark. He was on there in 1964, and his song actually made it to number 49 on the Billboard Hot 100. So he, he actually got. Uh, a little better success than Dionne Warwick. And then the best version, or at least according to as how far it went up the charts, was Sandy Shaw in 1964. Oh, how can I forget you when there is always something there to remind me? So it actually got recorded twice in 1964, and hers was a UK version. It made it all the way to number one. 
And all three of those originals, very peppy, lots of horns, much, much different than the Naked Eyes version where they replaced those horns with synthesizers. So, um, mm-hmm. which gives it that more haunting sound. Mm-hmm. Now, what I found interesting was the guys were, like I had mentioned, were fans of this song and they wanted to record this in the studio. And so they had a friend that had the record. They called up the friend and he listened to the record and told them the lyrics over the phone and then they recorded it. So if you listen to the original and you listen to their version, some of the words are actually different because either he didn't hear it right or they wrote it down wrong. Um, But there's multiple times when the the lyrics are a little different from the first three versions versus the Naked Eyes version. If I had to choose, I would say the Naked Eyes version is the best. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Me too. My first one is by arguably the greatest rock and roll star of all time, Rick Springfield. <laughs> if you guys have been on the Facebook page, you know I'm only kidding when I say that. But he, it, it, the Jesse's Girl was a huge hit, went straight to number one, and then his follow-up song was "I've Done Everything for You." Love this song, always have. I don't even care who who listens to this, wants to criticize me for it. Rick Springfield, (laughs) I love the song, I don't even care. But uh, it's actually a cover, originally (laughs) done by Sammy Hagar. He released it in 1978, but never as a single. He uh, played it live back into 1977, but then recorded it in 78 for a live album, and again for a studio album. So Rick Springfield got his hands on it. Uh, it's not too much different. Kind of sounds a little like this. You know, Rick Springfield's vocals on that just kind of, that was the sound at the time and people loved it. And I, I still do. That's one that I, again, I don't turn that one off when it comes on. It's just, it's a very cool song, very upbeat and peppy. I think he's awesome. I'm not ashamed to say. I agree. I, I like Rick Springfield. I had his other uh, with Tao. Was it Tao? Tao, yeah, Dow. I think it's Dow or something. Tao. Yeah. yeah. He was That's one of my heartthrobs in the early 80s. So there's that. Yeah. There's the known on General Hospital. Was it Noah? Yeah. Noah Drake. I'm happy to say I never watched a single episode of General Hospital. Oh, you really missed out, Rob. That's you what did. I hear from you and Snowball. <laughs> Doesn't he have a spot on the 80s at 8? He's got a spot on the, yeah. um, doesn't he? He does a yeah, class yeah, DJ. He's got his show. Mm-hmm. That's it. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I like listening to it. Sometimes it's not the most interesting topics, but. Depends on the topic. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The topic carries that show for sure. Yeah. Good. So yeah, I enjoy it. We're going to take another break here and we're going to be right back. We're going to go one more round of our favorite cover tunes. So hang tight and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Living in the 80s. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost, we want to thank Anchor for providing this platform for us to share this podcast. We also want to thank Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Tuned In Radio, and about a dozen others. We 
also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out at our website at livinginthe80s.us and, of course, on our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Thanks, and back to the show. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. We are halfway through our 80 songs that were actually cover tunes. We may or may not have realized it. So we're going to mix up the order this time. We're going to start with Charlie. So Charlie, what is okay. your second? So my second one, probably slightly obscure song, but it was it's called Breakaway by Big Pig. And it's uh, Big Pig is a group from Melbourne, Australia, and the song was released in 1987, and it hit number 60 on the Hot 100, so it didn't get too high. And I picked this song, uh, Living in Small Town, Iowa, when it was top 40 on the radio stations, so you wouldn't have ever heard this song. But I had a girlfriend uh, who, yeah, I think she maybe traveled and had some access to other kind of alternative bands and had a mixtape. And this song was on the mixtape, and I remember hearing it, thinking this is a cool song, and that and that's that's what made me think of it when when we talked about one hit wonders, or not one hit wonders, but uh, covers. But yeah, she was in groups like The Cure, Midnight Oil, REM, that kind of thing. So this song was on there, and then it also a bit, bit of trivia. This song is played at the opening credits of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, wow. which yeah, I um, full disclosure, have not seen that movie. But I had heard that this was the opening song on the credits, so I had to go watch it. It's, yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's playing in the opening credits. Pretty cool. I'll, I'll be honest; I'd never heard the song before. Me either. Well, I've never heard it. No, I did today because I was going through everybody's list. I knew all of them except for that one. I'm like, hmm, what's this? And the so the original was a tune called "I Can't Break Away" by Chuck Jackson in 1973. And actually a pretty good tune. Um, it hit number 60 on the R&B Top 100. And uh, it, it sounds actually pretty, I, I, I don't know about similar. I mean, it sounds pretty similar to the to the cover. But yeah, uh, pretty good tune. But uh, um, I know kind of an obscure song, but I, I like the tune. And I have, I have the Big Pig version on a high rotation on my... Uh... Kevin, what about you? Um, my second song is Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes. And she knows just what it takes to make a pro She got stand She's got Davis So this was a huge hit in 1981. It uh, went to number one. It was there for five weeks, dropped out of the number one spot. And then went back up to number one spot and stayed there for another four weeks. So it was actually nine non-consecutive weeks at number one. It was number one hit in uh, 21 countries. It won the uh, Grammy Awards for the Song of the Year and Record of the Year. So just a massive hit. And again, this is one that I did not know 
um, was actually a cover. So mm -hmm. the original is by Jackie DeShannon, which came out in 1974. So you'll notice a big difference between these two because, again, I mentioned I mentioned haunting on my other one. This, the 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 Kim Carnes one has this very haunting sound to it. Mm -hmm. um, the De Jackie DeShannon version has a very R and B style. It's very up tempo, and there's parts of it that sounds like it's something you would hear at a burlesque show. It's kind of <laughs> it is completely different. Um, but uh, the Kim Carnes version. I mean, obviously, I've been hearing that for forever, and I've heard that. Jackie DeShannon version like three times this week. So obviously I like the Kim Carnes version much, much better. I remember the Kim Carnes version because when I first heard it, they, I remember them announcing it on the radio. My first thought was Kim Carnes, she did that duet with Kenny Rogers. Mm -hmm. I fall in love with a dreamer. I thought, she's a country singer. I know. Mm -hmm. That's funny. <laughs> she sung that. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I like the song. It's a good song. Yeah, they loved it. They played it to death. Yeah, they did. But uh, yeah, it hold, it's held up pretty well, I think. Mm -hmm. Tammy, what about your second song? My second song is Mickey by Tony Basil. Her full name is actually Antonia Cristina Basilada. Wow. Hopefully I said that right. When you think of 80s, this is one of the songs you think of. Mm -hmm. It was number one on Billboard Hot 100 for a week. The record went platinum. And the video is number six on VH1's 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders of the 80s. So, or the song, I guess the song is. That video is iconic and really boosted the popularity of the song. It's cheerleading. Everybody knows her cheerleader video. Some sites that I researched said that she wore her actual cheerleading sweater from high school. Another place said that she wore a redesigned version of the one she wore at Las Vegas High School. I don't know. She was 39, so if it was her original one, major kudos to her. Yeah. <laughs> right? That would have been amazing. And because of that video... I used to hold my hair up in pigtails in my hands and dance around <laughs> singing this every time the song came on. So I was Great. older than I should have been when I would still do that yeah. and might have still done that recently. <laughs> but, but I won't say for sure. Yeah. The original was done in 1979 by a group, an all-male British pop group called Racy. Dude. And the song was called Kitty, not Mickey. I had no idea this was a remake when I was looking this stuff up. The song was on their debut album. The album did really well. The song was never a hit for them. Their song is kind of new wave. It's very heavy on organ and drum, and there's some clapping in it. It gave you a real 
Southern California beach vibe, almost Jan and Dean type yeah. version of it, which, and it's really cool. Uh, so it was kind of fun, but it doesn't have any of the clapping. It doesn't have the, or the, I'm sorry, the, doesn't have any of the chanting from the cheerleading kind of deal. That's something that Tony added herself and probably helped to solidify the song's popularity. Sure. Yeah. And her record company didn't want the cheerleading added to it, but she'd been a cheerleader her whole life and she's like, I won't do it without it. Wow. Yeah. So, so which is better, the original or the cover? I'd say the, the cover because it's just, it's the 80s and and it's what we all grew up with and we know and it's just a little more fun, but it and it and but it's got a cheese factor to it. Um, the original doesn't have that cheese factor so much. Mm-hmm. I, I think the original almost sounds like it could have been done in the 60s. So yeah. it's a little cooler. Yeah. That that song Mickey drove me crazy. Like when it came out, I, I kind of liked it okay, but yeah. I mean it, it probably, geez, after hearing it on the radio constantly for like a month, I was done yeah. with it, and I can't. Yeah. <laughs> like right. even now, it's like <clears throat> cringe. Hundred percent. Anybody else have any fond memories of Mickey? Changing the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's right. what I do now when it comes on. <laughs> oh gosh, MTV played that thing constantly. It did. Constantly. Yeah, isn't there a, a Spanish version? There <laughs> is. Yes, and it's Tony Basil doing it. Weird yeah. Al version. Oh, oh, what's it called? Oh, really? <laughs> Rick, oh, Ricky yeah. Ricardo, yes. yes oh, Ricky, you're so fine. You play your bongos all the time. Hey, Ricky. Hey, Ricky. Oh, Lucy, you're so fine. How I love to hear you whine. Hey, Lucy. It's, oh, God. It's after the I Love Lucy thing, yes. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Oh, that's funny. I forgot about that. Good, good call. Art. Rob. Art. <laughs> My next song is uh, by the Honey Drippers. Uh, it's off the uh, their album Honey Drippers Volume One. It was released in uh, September twenty fourth, nineteen eighty four. There's two versions actually released that year I didn't know. One was by Del Shannon. It went to number 34, I'm sorry, 33, and the Honey Drippers uh, went to number two. Of course, if you know the Honey Drippers, you know it's pretty much an all-star cast. Uh, you got Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, Paul Schaefer, Niles Rogers, and one I didn't realize was uh, Brian Stutzer. <clears throat> a little history behind the song is originally written in 1958 by a gentleman named Phil Phillips. Come with me, my love, to the sea, the sea of love. 
this song was a one-hit wonder for him. He was working as a bellhop at the time, and there was a girl named Verdi. Obviously, he had eyes for and he was trying to impress. Um, he wrote the song, and obviously, that's when the CLO was born. Um, while playing the song in his house, a gas meter reader just happened to be passing by, turned him on to a record producer. Um, the song was then released on an independent label, and it did so well that Mercury Records picked it up and uh, distributed the song nationally. It became a big hit, and like I said, a, a one-hit wonder for uh, Mr. Phillips. And uh, apparently, I was looking, he only earned $6,800 from the song at the time. He sold oh, the rest of it. And he also that he never did even get the girl that he wrote the song about. So right. now, as far as the video, I, I, I'm a big Robert Plant fan. I was more of a Robert Plant fan back then than I was Led Zeppelin. And I picked this up because of Robert Plant. So, but the, the, mu- the music video didn't do much for me. I wasn't a big fan. I liked the song a lot better than I did the video. Yeah. yeah, the video was very weird. <laughs> yeah, but you know, before that, you had uh, what was it? Pictures Eleven, and you know, I, I was, his other his solo albums. I, I really dig like the. Oh more. yeah, I remember you turned me on to to that Pictures Eleven album. You know, that's yeah. in your truck with your freaking sound system that had sound <laughs> it, it, like if there if the tornado sirens went down, they could pump into <laughs> his truck and he could. Well, see what I did. You could turn the engine off, and the music would just kind of propel it along. <laughs> Rock and roll power. That's right. Legendary you know. sound system. Yeah, but I yeah I too remember when um, the Honey Drippers album came out, and they it was called Honey Drippers Volume One, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there was a Volume Two, which really was disappointing because I loved it. Um, I, I remember I get a thrill was a great song. I, I always but- loved that song. There was never a number two because I was reading it. He was actually horrified by the success and he didn't want to be labeled as a crooner. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I guess you never seen any other albums. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I mean, no one's going to remember that over his Led Zeppelin stuff. Absolutely. And, and the way his, he has like evolved as an artist. I mean, you know, he's done his stuff with Allison Krauss. He's done, other solo stuff and he's just more like country all kinds of styles it's like mm. he's not gonna pigeonhole as anything if he's gonna get anything it's gonna be as that led zeppelin lead singer but yeah i would i would love to heard them do more of that type of stuff I, i'm kind of disappointed with my 80s self for not being a bigger led zeppelin fan back then <laughs> well, you gotta think about led zeppelin was broke up by 1980 or 81 when um mm-hmm. John Bonham passed away. So, right. you know, I, I, I think of myself back then, it's like I was listening to top 40 up until, you know, probably almost the mid eighties. So yeah. Led Zeppelin to me was just like some rock and roll band from the seventies that you know, I had no interest in later mm-hmm. on. I went back and heard him and went crap. I wasted yeah. too much time listening to the Bee Gees. So. <laughs> <laughs> and disparage the Bee Gees either. No, no, nothing wrong with the Bee Gees. I like them. I like them. All right, Debbie. Uh, My second song is Hazy Shade of Winter by the Mm -hmm. Bengals. And 
and it was recorded in 1987 for the movie Less Than Zero. Um, Lead vocals were performed by all members of the band, which was rare for them. Usually they had one person singing. It was released in 1987 with the movie and peaked at number two. And ironically enough, this was one of their more popular songs and it did not appear on any of their albums, which I thought was Mm -hmm. interesting since it was part of that movie soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Um, The version that you will hear that was the original was the Simon and Garfunkel version. And here that is. And look around, he's a brown now, and the sky is a hazy shade of winter. It was originally titled A Hazy Shade of Winter, and the Bengals removed the A from the beginning of that title. The Simon and Garfunkel version was released in 1966 as a single, um, but it was included on their 1968 album, Bookends. Um, The song for Simon and Garfunkel peaked at number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1966. And I had my son once again listen to both versions of the song. And I thought for sure, being the son of someone who loved 1980s music, that he would like the Bengals version best. But no, sadly, he chose the Simon and Garfunkel version. I was very disappointed in that choice. That was my thought, too. Although I will say he listened, had to listen to them each two to three times. To make that choice. So it was a hard one for him, but he sided with Simon and Garfunkel. So I'm still trying to decide whether he needs to be disowned. <laughs> or disciplined. That's yeah. right. I have failed so, as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. I, I, never being a huge Bengals fan, I've always dug that song. I mean, that mm-hmm. was really good. And uh, they had to ask Paul Simon, since he wrote the song, permission to do it. Mm-hmm. And so they sent him a tape, and he came back, and he's like, that's amazing. We would have never, ever thought that song, you know, in that kind of tempo and big sound feel would ever, you know, would, would ever work. And he, he absolutely loved it. When the- they have another song that sounds very similar called Bell Jar. Which, if you like Hazy Shade of Winter, you might like Bell Jar. You'll have to look it up. I will have to. Nice. So, my last song is... So, it's kind of a story behind it. So, the song itself is Only the Young, made famous by Journey. This was written by Steve Perry, Neil Sean, and Jonathan Kane. They wrote it for Patty Smythe and Scandal, and their version sounds like this. They had written the song in 1983, and they wrote it for Patti Smythe. And they also recorded it, but they didn't release it. It was going to be on the Frontiers album, 
but they held it back uh, just because they didn't want it to compete with that. And you know, contractually, they had agreed not to put it on their album. So in 1985, uh, they did put it on the Vision Quest soundtrack, and mm-hmm. it ended up going to number nine. So scandals, management, lawyers, whatever, were upset that they had done this, and apparently Perry, Sean, and Kane all had to pay scandal some kind of a settlement just because they released it. Wow. I'm pretty sure that them being the songwriters and having such a big hit, it's probably a shot in the bucket that they had to give up in order to do that. I would guess. But wow. that, that, is, that is still one of my favorite Journey songs, and uh, that's another one that, you know, it's like ear candy to me. Like, I hear that song, and it's just, oh, this is amazing. I just absolutely fell in love with that song, and it's it's awesome. Did Scandal ever release it as a single? No, it was just an album cut. So huh. I don't know what they were so upset about. <laughs> I don't think up until this podcast I had ever heard the Scandal version. Yeah, so how do you like it? I like it. I do, too. It's I prefer good. the Journey version, though. Journey's yeah, me, better. Yeah. Me too, but that scandal version does. Wrong. I mean, if it if the journey version never exists, I, w- I would have just thought, "Huh, that's a great song." And I love Patty Smythe, like her solo career after that. I, I mean, probably, I would guess a month or so ago, I went back and listened to probably three or four Patty Smythe albums because during the day when I'm working, I've always got music playing in the background, and I was just, ah, oh, she's got such a great voice. I mean, mm-hmm. before Sammy Hagar agreed to be in Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen recruited Patty Smythe to be David Lee Roth's replacement. Wow. Can you imagine what that would have been? It would have been interesting uh, to hear. Yeah, yeah. it would have been. been. She turned him down, of course, but uh, yeah. that's, just, that's just very, very, very cool trivia. So are there any songs that kind of was on the fence for you that you also wanted to use here? One of them for me was Pretty Woman by Van Halen. Um, okay. Roy Orbison did it originally. Van Halen did it. And, of course, I love the Van Halen version better because, you know, they're better. <laughs> but but that, that, that's one that, for me, I struggled with a little bit. I just remember going through a list online and being blown away how many songs were actually covers. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but yeah, um, one that popped out was by Huey Lewis, the News, um, um, Heart and Soul, Heart and, Heart, Heart and Soul. Yeah, Heart and Soul was actually a cover. I, I didn't realize that. Don't be cruel yeah. by Cheap Trick is another one that is a oh, yeah. cover that. I yeah. again, it's Elvis, man. You're covering Elvis. That's <laughs> right. Like, I like the cheap trick version better. I just yeah. my eighties upbringing. Most people might yeah. disagree. Not me. Yeah. Can't hurry love by Phil Collins was one. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, that's a great. That's a great one. Now, Debbie provided a list to us earlier last week. Oh, yeah. We got stumped. Yeah. I saw a bunch of them on there. A lot I remember. A couple I didn't realize were covers too. So yeah. that, was, that was good. But guys, I tell you what, a lot of uh, a lot of '80s tunes were were covers, and stuff that we've heard thousands of times may have been predated by another twenty years or more. So, to seek those out, and I'm sure Debbie on the podcast release date Saturday would love to share that list that she had with the rest of the crowd. I would love to. Mm-hmm. All right, she's writing. She's writing it down. She's taking. I'm writing it down. If I don't write it down, I will forget it because I was born in the 1960s, a child of the 80s. So therefore, I forget things at this point in life. <laughs> yes. 
All right. Well, guys, thank you for joining me. Can you guys uh, come back next week and do the do the follow up? Absolutely. I would love to. Sure. All be great. Right. So next week we're going to do songs that were originally released in the '80s, but got covered in the '90s or beyond. So it'll be a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. tune in, see all about that one. And uh, guys, as always, we thank you for joining. Our song here, appropriately enough, is going to be Cover Me by Bruce. <laughs> Perfect. You guys take care. God bless. We'll see you next week. Those things were so rough, they would chafe you.